for those of you who do not know, Gentiles are essentially anyone who is not Jewish. Um, between these two groups was great mistrust and social barriers. Um, there were different expectations and standards, and it was quite similar to High School Musical in that sense. As a result, the Gentiles didn't interact with the Jews, and the Jews tried not to interact with the Gentiles as well. So at this time, Jesus was considered to be the king of the Jews. Uh, he was going to give them freedom from Roman rule, or Gentile rule at the time. Thus, expectations were very high for Jesus. Um, the Jews probably expected special treatment since they were his people after all. However, as we see in the passage, Jesus goes against this expectation by healing the official's dying son. Imagine how the Jews must have felt at that time. They might have felt confused, angry, or even betrayed. Jesus, their savior, had just helped an outsider. Jesus, being God, would have known that this would happen. By breaking these expectations, he would have made many Jews unhappy, and he would put himself in a risky position. And despite knowing this, he still saved the official's son, showing how his love is not exclusive to a small handful of people, rather open to everyone. He was willing to sacrifice his sense of security just to show his selfless love for us. So, in this story, we can be reminded that Jesus' sacrifice um, of his security shows how much he loves us. Thank you, Justin. Um, moving on, we, my next passage is from John 4, verse 4 to 26. Um, 6, verse 26. Um, and let us just read that today. It's a bit of a long passage, so I'll just be reading uh, a few segments here and there. Now he, had, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sichar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to bring food. Um, the Samaritan woman said to him, this is verse 9, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as he did his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will, be, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He, he told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you, are now, you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that this 
that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is coming from the Jews. This time is coming, and now, now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. So I remember when I was first coming to Canada, I first came to Canada. I came back a few years ago. I grew up overseas. So coming back, it was a very uh, difficult transition. And it, ex- I hadn't really experienced feeling an outsider until that point. So I didn't know how basic things worked, like the buses or how to order a drink from Starbucks. So it was uh, really a time when I felt like an outsider. And just like that, the Samaritan woman is an outsider. So Samaritans as a group, so why were Jesus' actions were unusual. So why were they unusual? Well, Samaritans as a group were often looked down by the Jews. So they were viewed as pagans, as Gentiles. So having Jesus interact with the Samaritan at all was a big, big deal because that was something the Jews never did. They never associated with them. They didn't want to. They said, look at those people. We're not going to talk to them, right? So that was, they were viewed as pagans and outcasts by the Jews. Second of all, this woman in particular was an outcast among her own people. So we can see a few things. Um, firstly, she was going to the well at noon. And usually, the people of that time would, the women would go to the wells early in the morning, you know, for, for drinking water, bathing water, all that. And so to have someone come in the, at noontime meant that they clearly were not uh, allowed to associate with the other people, right? So she was an outcast among her own people. So here's Jesus. He's talking to not only a Gentile, but someone who was an outcast among their own people. Um, thirdly, she was a woman, right? And today, it's like, oh, that's no big deal, right? No, we don't think about it. We don't look at it. But if you were reading this in that time, it would be like, wait, what? Because now he's talking to a Gentile, right? A woman and someone who is outcast among them, their own group. So this person is clearly um, an outsider. And yet, Jesus still talks to them. Jesus still loves her. Jesus still shows his, his love and his willingness. And he clearly tells us that he, he is willing and ready to save her, right? He's like the living water, right? Anyone can come to me and I will give them the living water. So I think it's just amazing, right, that he does this despite knowing that everyone around him is all kind of like, wait, Jesus, what are you doing with this? Where are you, what are you trying to do? And the people at that time would just be shocked to find this was a controversial thing for him to do, and he still did it because he loved everyone. And so he sacrifices his, his reputation to show his love. Thanks, Chris. So, we come down to our final passage for the day. Um, but before I begin, uh, I'd like to share something again. Um, don't worry, it's not a video this time. 
Um, so last spring break, Edge had its, had its annual Extreme Days. And for those of you who are not familiar with it, it's a one-night retreat for youth. Um, and we rented out a uh, church down in Richmond, and we just stayed there and uh, had some good speakers, uh, good worship time, and a lot of time to just be with God and one another. Um, so towards the end of the evening on Friday night, uh, we had played many games, and we had exhausted ourselves quite a bit. And uh, Brian at the time had just finished his sharing, and he told us to get up, get into partners, because we're doing another activity. So at the time, um, I thought we're just going to play like a wind-down game or something similar. Uh, but instead, Brian told us to wash our partner's feet. And at first, I thought he was joking, um, just because I don't want to wash anyone's feet. I don't think anyone wants to wash mine. Um, but sure enough, uh, there is a plastic bucket and a bottle of liquid soap in the middle of the gym. Um, so that night, I was partnered with Chris, and unfortunately for him, uh, he was responsible for washing my feet. And um, we have a photo over here. Um, yeah, that's the orange soap, and that is uh, Chris washing my feet. Uh, so it was quite a night. So I think it's important to understand that uh, my feet were pretty gross at the time. Uh, we'd been running all day, and I myself was sweating gallons. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't want to wash my own feet at that time either. Um, nevertheless, Chris washed my feet and did a very good job. Props. Um, yeah. So, sorry. In the book of John, uh, as a, sorry. In the book of John, uh, there's a passage where we see how Jesus washes his disciples' feet, as the title suggests. Um, so let's take a moment to read John chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own, who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So, as I was reading this passage, um, there are several verses um, that stood out to me, and I've condensed them into one slide. So, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God, dot, dot, dot. So, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and began to wash the disciples' feet. So, here we see how Jesus is conscious to the fact that he is all-powerful, and thus superior to his disciples. Jesus knew that he, the Father had given him authority over everything. Recall that in these days, the social hierarchy 
uh, were well-defined, and Jesus would have been very high up on that chain. And here, Jesus actively acknowledges this fact. This kind of reminds me of elementary school, when we would have show and tell. Uh, This was a very exciting time for me. Uh, Not the sharing part, rather the fact that I got to sit on the teacher's chair. Um, You see, at the time, uh, teachers would give their lessons and instructions on this chair. So, I guess I symbolically associated it with power and authority. And um, when I was sharing, I felt empowered. I felt like I dominated the class. And uh, it was a pretty good feeling. However, at the end of the day, I was still just another student, and the sense of power and glory vanished within minutes. For Jesus, however, his power and authority did not go away. Most importantly, he didn't boast of it. As a matter of fact, Jesus, this man of such superiority, rolls up his sleeve and begins to wash his disciples' feet. Um, At the time, sandals were really the only form of footwear available. Um, There weren't any Payless shoes or shoe outlets you can go to. Um, So as you can imagine, one's foot would get very dirty after days, weeks, and months of walking in them. And keep in mind that Extreme Days was a one-night event, and my feet got really gross. So just imagine how dirty the disciples' feet would have gotten at the time. So we have Jesus uh, washing the feet of his disciples, which is also a task that is usually reserved for lower-class citizens. And him, by humbling himself so much that he would wash the feet, of his disciples, just shows the extent of his love for us. He chose to wash his disciples' feet, even though he didn't have to. And that brings us to our next point, because Jesus loves us so much that he's willing to sacrifice his dignity for us. At this time, we'd like to invite the worship team back up.